Hello, everybody, and welcome to another All the WrestleManias. I'm your co-host, Tim Hackman. And I'm your co-host, Rich Sigwald. We are excited, as always, to be in the studio with you. We've got a classic today. We're going all the way back to 1985 to talk about the very first WrestleMania, the original, the one and only, from Madison Square Garden, March 31st, 1985, the greatest wrestling event of all time, per the header. Um, so we thought, given all the more recent shows we've been watching, the last 20, what are we up to, 23 now? Um, yeah. And, you know, how sort of over the top those shows have become it'd be fun to go back and into a, a simpler time the halcyon days yeah you know where there was wrestling on wrestlemania amazing what a concept <laughs> i know uh and there's there was a there's an edge to it and there's a uh unfinished feel to it and uh and like a not like perfect program perfectly tucked together and scripted and orchestrated and produced to perfection as the modern WrestleManias are. We're now nitty gritty Madison square garden. It still feels like a local event. Like your grandpa just said, let's get in the car, go down to the wrestling matches and and see what's happening. Is Bruno San Martino still wrestling? He was my favorite, (laughs) you know, those kind of, it's that kind of show. Yeah, your grandma and I saw him on our honeymoon in 19, uh, 1964. <laughs> um, yeah, Is Gorgeous George there? Where's Gorgeous George? I love Gorgeous George. It's got that feel for sure. Madison Square Garden, The uh, you don't see the crowd. like the, the lights are down in the arena, unlike sort of modern WrestleManias where everything's lit up all the time. So it does, you know, the spotlight is on the arena, like an old-fashioned boxing match kind of. Um, it's just kind of a cool effect. The, uh, the graphics, of course, are circa 1985, so they are amazing. Uh, the other nice thing about this one and kind of contributing to that lean and me lean and mean feel is the runtime on this which is two hours and 16 minutes which is almost half of what we're dealing with these days um you know when we're at we're at wrestlemania 23 and that's of course not saying anything about today's uh (laughs) two-day monstrosity (laughs) that you have to like take off work for and uh yeah yeah, I, I, I still am promising that WrestleMania 40 is going to start Friday night and go through Sunday. Uh, I just ha- I just have that feeling. And then 41 is going to be the same way. And then we're just going to accept that WrestleMania is three days long. And then suddenly it's going to be four days and then seven days and then never ends. <laughs> yep. And then we just start the perpetual WrestleMania calendar. Right. So it'll be WrestleMania it'll be like 50. A, yeah. It'll be like when they uh, just added a couple months to the calendar for Julius Augustus. You know, they're just just going to add just ongoing WrestleMania. They'll just renumber everything. So, yeah, WrestleMania starts on the fifth of Hulkamania. <laughs> Praise be to our Lord and Savior. As long as the minor saints, you know, like Tito Santana and Greg the Hammer Valentine, get their own feast days, I'm I'm okay with it. <laughs> What would you think they would eat on uh, Greg the Hammer's uh, feast day? I mean, like, uh, I don't I know, like, like sausages? Uh, either that or T-bone steak. Oh, yeah. Uh, definitely red meat. Yeah, for sure. I don't know. And elbows to the head. Yeah. <laughs> it's those what's for dinner. To, those used to give me headaches. 
Oh, poor Greg. Um, a commentary team is the inimitable Jesse Ventura and Gorilla Monsoon. And we've got the rest of the the classic cast of characters here. Main Gene Oakland on promos. Lord Alfred Hayes doing sort of the ringside stuff. And Howard Finkel as our ring announcer. Um, and Mean Gene actually gets the privilege of doing the national anthem to start this thing. With lyrics written on a note card, I should add. And asking the audience for assistance. Yeah, he's he's haranguing them like Pete Seeger at Carnegie Hall. He's yeah, like, hey, everybody. Yeah, supposedly a big name talent canceled at the last minute, and they were left out the dry for the national anthem. But instead of just cutting the national anthem, which they could have done, I don't think anybody would have questioned them. They decided to get Mean Gene, who's never sang in front of anybody ever, to sing the national anthem, and. Honestly, for having, what, like 10 minutes prep and never sang before, he did an okay job. He's got a good voice. His uh, his announcing voice translates to a good singing voice, I think. The other thing I like is he sings it at a pretty good clip. He's, there's none of this yeah. like drawn-out bullshit. He sings it sort of the way it's meant to be sung, which is at a little bit of a faster uh, pace. Yeah, I'm friends with a lot of military musicians, and they would have liked this rendition, I think, for the most part, because of the tempo. Uh, A lot of them get very irritated by the drag-out four-minute renditions and and all the um, vocal ornaments that people throw in on the national anthem. Gene comes out, he sings it, he nails it, and then Jesse Ventura compares him to Robert Goulet. <laughs> That's one of my favorite lines. He says, I didn't think Gino had it in him, but he writes right up there with Robert Goulet. <laughs> and Gorilla <laughs> Monsoon says, unbelievable. And then we yeah. start the action. It is well, unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, uh, as far as I can tell, is what Gorilla says anytime he's sort of at a loss for what to say. He just says, unbelievable. And it, just and it works. He knows how to fill the space. Uh, yeah. Sometimes it's a, it seems a little over the top with what he's doing to fill the time, but for the most part, it works. And then Jesse, in his commentary overall for this show, he's not as heelish. He's a little bit heelish, but he's not calling Tito Santana Chico. He's not making really off-color or mildly racist dog whistle comments for the most part. Uh, he's just talking about, you know, the heelish, the most heelish he gets is when he's like, well, you know, the ref didn't see it. You need to take advantage of those situations. So, yeah, he's actually less obnoxious here than most of the time. I was, uh, I, I, I thought the same thing as I was watching it. Um, he does, he does say shucking and jiving at one point during junkyard dogs match, uh, which was like, it's like I said about maybe one of the most, you know, but you know, you probably would have heard junkyard dog say that he was shucking and jiving. Well, that's true. You know, that's so, how, uh, I, I wasn't too bothered by that. Um, so yeah, we're, we're watching WrestleMania one. We should note that this is the peacock edition of it. So it's been all cocked up as we would like to say. <laughs> Um, there's been some changes initially the show opened with uh easy lover by phil collins and philip bailey but that was changed to some sort of in-house cheesy synthy intro music how is that how is that a th- <laughs> i mean i must have been on the radio at the time but it makes sense because this is the rock and wrestling connection so they're going to tie in anything from popular music but they're not going to pay for the rights for it. And then the closing credits were Axel F uh, from like Beverly Hills cop theme. 
uh, one of the greatest synth pieces ever written. So it has a little place in my heart uh, written by Harold Faltermeyer. So, and then there's a couple other changes throughout the show that we'll, we'll, we'll note when we get to them, mainly it's this entrance music that gets, it gets dubbed out and stuff. Yeah. And there's a couple other little short little segments that are cut out, but nothing, nothing earth shattering. It's not like they got rid of the, like a half black face, uh, <laughs> for example, <laughs> promo or, or anything like that. So this is WWF's counter to Starcade. So the NWA has put on two Starcades at this point, but none of them on pay-per-view. Uh, they've only been closed circuit television and really only in the South. During this broadcast, the announce team, uh, Gorilla and Jesse, hammer at you constantly with over 1.2 million viewers at home and on closed circuit television around the world in like 24 different countries. So this is really the WWF's coming out party and the slap across the face to Jim Crockett promotions that shit's about to get real. We're coming for you and it's not going to stop. We got the Hulkster. We got Cindy Lauper. You know, we've got uh, Captain Lou. We're coming. We're, this is it. We got Mr. T. Yeah, right. the uh, I didn't mention at the top here that the attendance in Madison Square Garden is a little over 19,000. 19,121 is what Wikipedia says anyway. Um so I'm not. Did you look up the actual pay per view buys? Is that is that figure about right? 1.2 million. Did you happen to find uh, it? I don't think we have a buy count because it was only available in certain markets. Yeah. And then actually, it, it, in uh, interestingly, according to Wikipedia, it was cut off early at the Civic Arena in Pittsburgh, which is where they had one of the closed circuit uh, locations um, to appease the fans. The WrestleMania was then later broadcast in in its entirety on the ABC affiliate in Pittsburgh. So some people actually just got to watch it for free on their local TV station. If you live in hmm. Pittsburgh, interesting. This is really the opening salvo. This is the this is the uh, attack on Fort Sumter in the battle of the WWF versus the territories. <laughs> uh, this is it. Yeah, nice. I and like the. Uh... I like the analogies. That's good yeah. stuff. And they come out with a good one. They do. Some of the uh, the initial skirmish here in our uh, in the Battle of WrestleMania one is Tito Santana, yay, versus the Executioner. That's Terry Gordy under the mask there. Um, so one of the interesting things here is Alfred Hayes uh, says, "Stop you there for a moment." It yeah, is Buddy Rose. Oh, that's Buddy Rose. Shit, it's Playboy Buddy Rose under the mask. Well, that, okay. So I must have. All right, let's let's cut that because <laughs> did he use the executioner gimmick? Uh, it's possible. I'm pretty sure every wrestler has wrestled under the name <laughs> the executioner. <laughs> All right, hold on, and let me update our in memoriam section then, and get uh, Terry Gordy out of there. <laughs> All right, let's start this again. So then okay. the first match is Tito Santana, yay, versus the Executioner, and that is Playboy Buddy Rose under the worst bargain basement mask you've ever seen in your life. It doesn't fit, like, at all. It's not even on straight. Uh, it's great. Um, he and he so bought the, it on the way to Madison Square Garden. He totally <laughs> did. Like, some kid outside is like, hey, man, you need a wrestling mask? He's like, yeah, sure, 50 cents? Okay. Um, it looks like it's not even laced up properly in the back. I don't know. But... Um, 
one of the, so one of the interesting things here is that Lord Alfred Hayes says pretty early on, it's like, let's go to our previously recorded interviews. So they're not even pretending that they're really backstage with these guys. No, and that's that's what they do for a lot of the early WrestleManias. All the promos are are taped ahead of time. They just do like a 10 hour recording session and then they just splice them in. And I mean, it's kind of a smart way to do it. If you're doing live TV, that gives you time to, to fix technical issues. It gives you time to bleep out something that you don't want to have happen. You know, it gives you, it gives you a little bit of that wiggle room. Yeah, sure. Um, so first, first two observations here. One is first Tito just always seems like such a good, genuine dude. Like even in his promos, <laughs> he's just like, he's like, yep, I'm going to do my best. I'm going to win. I'm going to beat this guy. Yeah. And of course he, he ends with a hearty arriba, which he always does. Yeah. Um, he, he says, I don't know the man, but he's a big man. I've got some goals, brother, but nobody gets in my way. Yeah. <laughs> how could you, how could you not root for this guy? Yeah. Seriously. He's, a, he's an American hero. And then Terry Gordy's promo is amazing. It's not Terry oh, Gordy. Oh, shit. I keep calling it Terry Gordy. The, ex- <laughs> the executioner's promo. Gee, God. The executioner's promo is great. He just says, um, <laughs> he's talking to Tito. He says, I'm going after your leg. He's <laughs> like, I've been hired to do one job. I'm here to beat you up. I'm going to go after that leg. I'm going after your leg. I'm going after your leg. And nothing I'm else. After, I'm going after your leg. <laughs> And then he ends with, I am a big leaguer. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I think when we wrote the blog, I said that I was going to shout that at Thanksgiving when they bring out the turkey. I'm going after the leg <laughs> and nothing else. <laughs> Let's tear that thing off of there. Um, so, ah. we, so we get to the action. And the first thing I notice is, God damn, those ropes are loose. Like, yeah. <laughs> they look like they're barely hanging on. I know. Uh, yeah. The executioner is introduced as from parts unknown, weight unknown. Like they don't have a scale backstage. They couldn't <laughs> wait him real quick in the, in the locker room to get a no. number. No. So he's too mysterious. Yeah. If, but... you, if, if you put him on a scale, the number, the dial just spins around like, uh, yeah. like, like kid's head in the exorcist. <laughs> it won't even read it's like a compass in the room with a magnet is <laughs> bouncing all over the place. It can't do its job. Uh, Tito gets a really good pop from the crowd, which was very nice to hear for him. And the crowd is very excited. They're at the first WrestleMania. Well, to them, the only WrestleMania. Yeah, there's there's some nice little work in here. Uh, Tito has a beautiful drop kick. They do some nice Greco-Roman mat work, uh, which is very impressive to see. Tito is fighting with closed fists all the time. Doesn't care that the ref is telling him no. Then eventually the ref just stops trying to stop him. Just gives up on it. Like he's going to punch him. That's fine. He's got goals. He told you this at the top. Yeah. And those goals are to use a closed fist. That's right. (laughs) He gets most of the offense in this match. The executioner gets a little bit of a comeback, but most it's, it's mostly uh, Tito. Yeah. And Tito lands his uh, flying forearm, his signature move, which, I mean, eventually Jesse Ventura starts calling the flying burrito. And then instead of going for the pin, though, Tito goes for the figure four on the executioner to get the win. And they're all like, that figure four is a warning to Greg Valentine that Tito Santana is coming for that intercontinental belt back. And yeah, he is. 
Yeah, he is. And that is a beautiful textbook figure four too. Like that, oh, that yeah. baby, they should show that one in wrestling school. Cause it's a, it's a thing of beauty. It's one fluid motion. He locks that thing in. He steps through, twists the leg, and then hooks and falls backwards all in one motion. And it is it is textbook. It is beautiful. It could rival Ric Flair's. That's why we love Tito Santana, among other reasons. Uh, so good win for him. Nice showing for the executioner, who is not Terry Gordy, despite my repeated uh, attempts to say that that's who's under the mask. It's Playboy Buddy Rose under there. Um, God damn it, Tim. Um, and it's a good match to start WrestleMania yeah, with. Fast, no messing around. Both guys start in the ring. Um, no big entrances or anything. Four minutes, 49 seconds. So just that's all you need to get going. Speaking of fast, uh, this next match <laughs> held the record for a long time as the fastest yeah. WrestleMania squash. Um, this is SD, Special Delivery Jones versus King Kong Bundy. Of course, we get the pre-recorded interviews in advance. Um, and SD Jones says he's going to get down. He's here to get down. He says it like three times. I like yeah. that guy a lot. Yeah. He's got a great, great delivery for promos. I'm going to get down with the biggest man in town. Like he kind of like sing song raps it kind of like it's really, really good. I was going to say SD Jones. He's kind of like a Philly junkyard dog. He's got that kind of like patter stuff, but he, you can actually understand what he's saying. Yeah. Yeah. He gets destroyed. So during Bundy's promo, I didn't really hear what he was saying because I can't stop staring at his giant dome. Like his head, his skull is huge. It's like uh I like a like a dinosaur skull or something. It's his his chest is like a movie screen and like uh <laughs> it's gigantic. Yeah. Uh I'm pretty sure that like part of what makes uh King Kong Bundy a heel is that he admits to being from Atlantic City, New Jersey. That'll do it. Yeah, and he gets a lot of heat when he comes out, and SD Jones gets a nice little pop when he's introduced. SD tries to come at him, gets thrown back into the corner, big splash, squash, down he goes. He warns SD Jones that he's uh he better be prepared for the five count because that was King Kong <laughs> Bundy's big thing was to always go for the five count. And Bundy, once the ref hits three, springs back to his feet, celebrates and leaves. He do- well, he he's trying to get that record for the fastest win, you know? I guess so, but he forgot to do his signature thing. So it's too bad. But yeah, that's, this is a good squash match. It's weird to say that, but it's a good one. But poor SD Jones doesn't get another shot. Yeah, he's one of those guys who was a uh, enhancement talent, you know, jobber. Uh, he was around for ages and ages. He he did like he he would get some wins every now and then, um, because just because he had been so, uh, you know, well known basically just by virtue of being around. Um, actually, I was just listening to uh, Mick Foley's podcast. He was talking about the first WrestleMania he was on, and he's talking about some of these guys like like Jones. Actually, he mentioned Jones specifically, which I thought was interesting. Um, also props to Bundy for the elevation on that splash. Like he goes way up in the air for a yeah. big dude. Yeah. That had, that could not have felt good on his knees getting way up there. And then he comes slamming down. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Ventura says that you could use his back for the West screen at a drive-in. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, that's true. I, I don't know. I don't know why the West screen, I guess it has to block out more of the sun. Maybe. Yeah, probably. All right, moving on. Yeah, let's move on. Uh, yeah. More awkward Lord Alfred Hayes, who is terrified <laughs> and reading a cue card. 
to to throw to me and Gene with Ricky Steamboat. Uh, Ricky Steamboat says he's come to this area to become mean. It's a good place to do it. Yeah, man. Um, Lower Manhattan, Madison Square Garden is a good place to become mean. I agree. Especially in 1985. It was was different neighborhoods then, you know? Yeah, Disney hadn't moved into Broadway yet, so... (laughs) There was still porn, like right outside of MSG, probably. Um, Jesse mentions that Matt Bourne's father was also a wrestler, and that actually um, Gorilla Monsoon actually wrestled him a few times. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, that was some interesting little banter, but uh, Matt Bourne. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, he gets a little bit in in on this match. He gets a little bit of his, his business going, but... Not really. Bit, yeah. I mean, he's there to make Ricky Steamboat look good. Ricky and Ricky does look good. Born when he does get a little bit of offense, does like a little like Hawaiian like taunt thing at Ricky Steamboat, which seems to get under his skin a little bit. But Steamboat lands some horrendously fast karate chops. Big old uh, atomic drop. That's it. That's the word I was looking for. Steamboat gets a big old atomic drop and like Bourne is selling it by wobbling and like holding his knees weird. And then Steamboat mocks him and doing the same little motion, which was a nice little touch. Yeah. And then uh, Ricky, Ricky gets a beautiful crossbody from the top rope after landing what is called a double karate shot to the throat by <laughs> Gorilla Monsoon. Yeah, there's some good gorilla-isms here. We, this is our first external occipital protuberance uh, for this WrestleMania, I believe, uh, which is a favorite. Um, yeah, because we a, got somebody that kicks. So whenever there's kicks to the head, that's when that phrase comes out. Yeah, you get them, you get them right on the external occipital protuberance. Um, there's a nice face bump from Bourne after a big right hand from Ricky. Um, a big, slow back suplex from Ricky. A really nice neck breaker. Um, there's some good stuff here. Ricky is looking pretty beefed up at this point. He is like, buff. Yeah. Like buff, when buff, we, buff. when we see him a little later against flair and stuff, he's definitely slimmed down a little bit. I'm not going to speculate on that change at all, but, um, he's, it's, it's noticeable for sure. He got some nice leapfrogs. Oh yeah. At the, at the start of this, this is the first time I noticed it. Um, and it's, it happens throughout this WrestleMania. I think the ring bell guy has a tremor or something. Cause like the way he rings it, it doesn't just like, you're supposed to ring it like once or like twice, you know, it's like ding, ding, or it's supposed to be rhythmic. Right. It's like, but it's like, they're like, like they just <laughs> wail on yeah, the bell. He's, he's got this weird, like cadence to his bell ringing. And it's like, ding, 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 ding. <laughs> like, Okay. <laughs> Take it easy, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's distracting. Uh, Sorry. It is a bit. And um, you know, I think <clears throat> it's interesting that you mentioned Steamboat's build now compared to how he looked when he was doing the NWA WCW stuff. And it, if you think about it, it's like what made Lex Luger stand out in NWA was that bodybuilder physique that he had. And now, like, but if you look at WWF, like all of them have that physique. They all look like Lex Luger. <laughs> it's it's yeah. ridiculous. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, there must have been something in that New York Northeast Territory water, right? It's just, <laughs> yeah, it must have it's been just, it's something in the bagels or or, or in the tap water or it's you the know. it's that Hudson. It's that that's that uh, 
delicious Hudson water coming down. I don't know. Yeah, as uh, as Gorilla Monsoon mentions later, the uh, the tuna fish and water diet. Uh, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure that's what's doing it. <laughs> yeah. The other thing to mention about Maniac Matt Bourne is he is, of course, the first wrestler to portray Doink the Clown, Rich, Rich's all-time favorite wrestler. Yeah. Uh, so he's not just, my all-time favorite. I just am one of the few people Doink. that really enjoyed that gimmick. You love okay. Doink more than any other wrestler, and you just need to admit it. I don't. That, I don't. Not, that's it's false. Folks, don't listen to Rich when he tells you that he <laughs> enjoys any other wrestler more than Doink the Clown. He is lying to you. Yeah, so when we got to this next bit, so this is uh, where you get the promos leading into uh, Brutus Beefcake versus David San Martino. My wife decided to sit down. <laughs> yes. And so she sees the uh, the Johnny Valiant and Brutus Beefcake uh, promo, and all she could say is, this is so weird. <laughs> She's not wrong. <laughs> it's not no she's not i didn't understand what anybody was saying in either of those promos honestly no no but first there's... of all bruno bruno does the first one so both the managers speak for their wrestlers because the wrestlers are either mute or or just really dumb or, or both i'm not sure they're, um, they're seconds the seconds always do the talking i guess but bruno's got an impenetrable accent and he talks really fast and his his face looks like it's chiseled out of granite. I think I wrote on the blog that his ears look something like something out of a plastic surgeon's nightmares. Oh um, my God, yeah. <laughs> Luscious Johnny Valen isn't much better. He's got a different accent, but it's equally impenetrable when he talks super fast. And um, everything is a threat out of his mouth. Like, like it's a return challenge. Like, Oh, you want to talk to me? You want to talk to me? Yeah, I'll talk to you. I'll talk to you real good. You know, I talk like <laughs> that's how the whole promo is. And like, who is he threatening? Who is he like? And he's like, got his back to the camera and uh, yeah, it's, it, it, it is very entertaining TV. And after the whole thing, I think I would have preferred to watch Johnny Valiant versus Bruno San Martino. Yeah. For I would sure. have been more hyped for that fight. <laughs> honestly yeah because this is this is straight up not a good match um you know i <laughs> i, 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 I kind of disagree with you i really yeah okay. i kind of liked it it had a bit of a circus feel to it i mean the thing is, is that david has absolutely no personality in the ring zero zilch like i've never it's like negative charisma i've never yeah. seen something like that like he's just so dry it's like it might as well be the high school gym and he's on the mat with his headgear ready to do some classic wrestling or something like there's and like there's nothing to him um but he has some impressive mat moves and so does Brutus uh Brutus was introduced from parts unknown which was like okay you don't know where Brutus beefcakes from okay <laughs> that's Florida i think he's from Florida just a guess just a guess I guess in New York that is parts unknown. Um but yeah, they they uh I thought they did some interesting stuff just because like Brutus is really flashy uh kind of stuff and David is the exact opposite of flashy. I don't know what what that would be. Beige. Um, He's yeah. beige. He's just beige. He's just beige. He's computer beige. Um <laughs> Like Brutus does like this little strut to dodge a collar and elbow tie up because like David just thought that they were automatically just going to lock up. And Brutus was like, no, and like struts away from it. I thought that was good. Um, Jesse at one point says, whoever loses this match will have their career fall six months to a year behind. 
Hmm. Like that's interesting. Uh. <laughs> that's very that's very specific. Yeah, yeah. I guess the idea being that uh, you know Brutus is supposed to be Johnny's protege, or they even use that word for him. And of course, uh, Bruno is supposed to be bringing David along. So they're both kind of starting out. They're both fresh faces. Yeah, Dave, David looks like he looks like a jobber. Honestly, like he's got just sort of generic red trunks. Like, he does some like actually decent shoot moves. You know, kind of mat wrestling types of things. Yeah, um, I did like where he he gets body slammed, but he holds onto the arm and flips Brutus yeah. into a like an armbar. That was actually a pretty cool move. Yeah, that wasn't that wasn't terrible. Yeah, I like that. And I actually even noted that I remember hating this match when we wrote wrote the blog. But for some reason this time, this I was I guess I was in a better mood. I don't know. Um, like Brutus is using all these fun, dirty tactics to get out of holds, and uh, he takes a he does a nasty elbow to David's mouth. So like he gets David in the corner and like holds his head up and and like drives his elbow right into the mouth of uh and it's it's mean like i don't know like if maybe something had happened during this match but it started it started to feel like a little bit of a shoot near the end that like brutus was tired of david's shit or something and started started (laughs) roughing him up some um but then it becomes a circus which is it's a fun circus too they do a great job with it you know they get david gets tossed out of the ring and so this is the old days there's no mats around the ring there's just like cables and chairs uh surrounding the ring and uh johnny, concrete yeah johnny valiant grabs him and uh body slams him onto the concrete and bruno gets pissed and comes chasing after johnny and the crowd flipped i mean this is this is bruno san martino's home arena basically so it makes sense that the crowd just eats him alive just loves him up and uh i think that's part of what might have sucked me in was this how energetic the crowd was into this because bruno was there yeah they give him a huge pop when he comes into the ring and gets announced and i mean they're clearly hyped to see him and he still looks amazing by the way like i don't know how long i mean he he'd made a comeback then he was at one of these future wrestlemanias in the ring um i think he's in a battle royal and I can't remember exactly which one, but anyway, so he's not done yet. He's, he's more or less kind of out of the, out of the business, but not, uh, not entirely, but anyway, they're, they're super hype. And he, yeah. Also when, when, um, when Johnny body slams, David Bruno, like looks like he flips out. Like he, he just flips yeah. his shit. He's like, he goes after Johnny hardcore. It's like, it he's good. been holding it in the whole match. And then finally something was there to set him off. And so he goes charging. Uh, and it gets it gets crazy. We get a double disqualification. Yeah, and Bruno and David get a huge pop at the end. But yeah, all right. I, so I you, don't know. I felt this you, match more than yeah. I did the last time. I think I think the thing. So I think I think you're right. Actually, about about the good things, the things that I that didn't like was just how long this whole thing takes. It goes and, a little long, and there's a whole lot of. Um, just sort of these kind of long, like this front face lock thing that David does. It's just, it's, it's clearly like a rest hold, you know, that just like nothing yeah. going on. Nobody's, nobody's selling it in particular and, and nobody's really looking like they're trying to actually do anything. And it just keeps going. But when it does get to that circus ending, that's, that was, uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun. I mean, there was one, one interesting moment too, that was, uh, entertaining and it was like brutus takes uh david down in a very greco-roman traditional like waist lock uh throw down to the mat 
and but uh, David uh, spins out of it, and uh, Brutus and Valiant then start complaining to the ref that uh, David is greased up. <laughs> And uh, then Jesse and uh, Gorilla talk about how, you know, he might have been, but that's not really a thing you want to do because it'll make your body overheat and make you have a tougher time getting through the match and stuff. And I was like, this is actually kind of interesting because like Gorilla and Jesse are kind of acting like two former wrestlers as opposed to like diametrically opposed forces in the commentary. So, yeah. Trading important uh, health and beauty tips. If he uh, if he were healing it up, you know, like he usually does, I'm sure Jesse would have made some comment about uh, olive oil or something, right? Yeah, I mean, definitely there would have been a lot of Italian slurs thrown out during this match, <laughs> I'd imagine. Yeah. yeah. All right, fun stuff. Uh, next up is one of uh, our favorites again. We met him. He was He was cool. Greg the Hammer Valentine, who's the Intercontinental Champion, managed by Jimmy Hart to fight the junkyard dog. Uh, so there's a, just a good promo from Greg. He's talking about how he's lean and mean. He's down 16 pounds. I was like, good for you, Greg. Good for you. Um, I don't know if he's been doing weight watchers or uh, Jenny Craig, but whatever, whatever it is, I'm glad that it was working for him. He's lean, mean, and full of fury. As yeah. He said. <laughs> I am then... one of those things. Um, or maybe two. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking I'm two right now. Yeah. Lean, just um, not lean, basically. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, what's the opposite of lean? And Junkyard Dog has a has a classic promo. He does. Where half of it, he's just kind of barking, and you can't really understand what he's saying. And then suddenly, you get you get him at the end. He goes, "JYD needs a bone to chew on, and can buy a whole bunch of bones if he wins this title." <laughs> he's so good. I like that you oh. only get. Like generally you get about half of the content of what he's saying, yeah. but you, you get all of the feeling. You get like 120% yeah. of the feeling with like 50% of the actual content. It's a, yeah. it's a fair trade. It's, it's so good. And then gorilla monsoon calls junkyard dog, the juker. Hmm. I don't, I don't know if you picked that up. You just called him the juker through the entire match. Just, he's the juker. Like gorilla monsoon just makes up names for people. <laughs> it's like, Hey tiny, how you doing today? Yeah. It's like, and like, I don't understand how Gorilla also has the nickname Gino. There's just like so much. Yeah. There's so much alternate names for people that happens. Like you, you need like a thesaurus to tell you like the Juker is junkyard dog. Like, okay. So, so Gino is definitely, so Robert Morella is his real name and he went by Gino for some reason. And, but that's not, he was never really billed that way, but Jesse knows him personally. Right. And so he knows that that's a thing that his friends call him anyway. So that's, that's where that one came from. I looked that one up because that, that struck me as interesting too. I was going to say, I really like when Jesse calls him Gino. It cracks me up. There's something about it, like the familiarity and also the fact that it just sounds nothing like and he, you know, you have to kind of know that it's like, it was his nickname. It's just, it looks yeah. like he's just calling him, calling him something. <laughs> and uh, Gorilla Monsoon also calls Brutus uh, Beefcake uh, Brunei, uh, Brutai, Brunei. Yeah, I've, I've caught that one before too. Yeah. It's, it's the, uh, it does it more later on. Is it the plural and, of Brutus? Is it the, I don't uh, know. I think he's trying to do the Brute, like Latin, et tu Brute <laughs> kind of thing with him. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny 
uh, there's some big heat for Jimmy Hart and Greg Valentine when they come down. Yeah. Um, I also say this is a this is the spot where this the show kind of starts to like slow down the pace just a little bit. They announce an, a one hour time limit for this match, <laughs> which made me laugh. Well, it's a title match, so <laughs> yeah. title matches always have one hour. Yeah. Back in the day, that's that's how it worked. But we're in dead in the middle of the card. Like they're not yeah. going an hour. They're not going an hour at like four matches in, right? Please like, God, don't go an hour. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so this is one of the changes that WWE did on the cock when where they cocked it up. Uh, so at this point in time, Junkyard Dog is still using Another One Bites to Dust as his entrance music. This is before Grab Them Cakes was actually written. But nonetheless, when you watch this on Peacock, you get the G-R-A-B-T-H-E-M-C-A-K-E-S. Grab Them Cakes! Uh! You get that grab them cake song that's so good and just lines up great with his tights that to say thump across the ass. It does. Oh. I knew you'd be excited to hear grab them cakes again. Oh my God. Uh, so as excited. I was, yeah, I put it in all caps in my notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This, this is, is a good match too. It's a tough yeah. match. It's a physical match. Uh, lots of big punches, lots of big headbutts. Of course, you know, we, we've, We've established through wrestling history that black wrestlers and Samoan wrestlers all have really hard heads. And so they can yes. headbutt people with impunity. That's, that's just, it's just a medical fact, according to uh, the WWF. Yeah. He does his crawling headbutt too. He does the standing headbutt and he does the one where he like crawls around like a dog, like leads with his head. It's <laughs> just a little and goofy. JYD is fighting mean too. He's uh so like the match pretty much starts right off with junkyard uh, dog getting, uh, Greg Valentine in an arm bar and while he's in the arm bar he uses one arm to hold the arm still and then he turns around and starts punching Greg Valentine right in the face like I I actually have never seen someone just like hold hold the one arm in the arm bar and then just start wailing on their face with the other <laughs> like that's great like that was hardcore and then like when the ref talks to him junkyard dog starts kind of like barking back at the ref <laughs> Like you, I couldn't even tell if he was actually saying words to him, but it was just you just ah, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> it was good. Uh, yeah, and like Hammer was really going along selling it. They're selling both of them are selling like crazy to each other. It's wonderful. This is this is a highlight match. Yeah, they're they're both bumping like pinballs. They're just like bam, bam, bam. Greg does his front face bump, which we like so much. Uh, oh, always gave me a headache, and. JYD does a lot of just like straight down flat back bumps. Um, Greg starts working on the leg, of course, see if he can soften it up for the figure four. And, and Ventura says, you know, Greg fancies himself the true king of the figure four leg lock. So again, we're calling back to this rivalry with Tito, which we know is is in the Bruin here. The camera work in this match is a little different than the others, too. We get some zoom ins and stuff like that. And I don't know if they're just really lucky or if they somehow knew it was coming. But they zoomed in on Junkyard Dog and Greg uh, Valentine when junkyard dog lands his really big mean headbutt and we can see hammer make himself look completely stunned and dazed with a great facial and then do that front bump that he's uh famous for so i don't know if that was just luck on on wwf's part to get that camera shot or they somehow like knew that that was coming in the sequence and it was time to like someone calling the shots for the camera knew what was happening in that match and it was great um, we definitely benefited from that. Yeah, somebody clearly had watched some Greg the Hammer matches and knew that was that was on the way. I think 
that was the perfect spot for it too. So Jimmy Hart tries to interfere and gets laid out by Greg by mistake, of course. Um, and then Hammer gets the pin illegally by, you know, using the ropes. Um, and so this is a kind of interesting finish. Um, you know, the ref calls it and says, you know, Hammer won. He gets the three count. Bell rings. And then Tito Santana pops into the ring in khakis. Uh, he's in his street clothes now. And he he tells the ref, uh, you know, he's pointing at the ropes. He's telling him that that hammer was cheating uh, and he actually gets the ref to reverse the call, which I think is is interesting. Like, it, again, it builds that feud, but also like the ref's just going to take this random guy's word for it who just popped into the ring, like uninvited, not involved in this match. Like somebody, anybody could have jumped in there. This is it's like Tito Santana. It's not I know, anybody. He, he wouldn't Tito lie. Santana. Tito Santana would, would never tell an untruth, but still like, don't you like look at a video or at least like ask a timekeeper or something and then yeah. though we get the beautiful camera shot again of the ref standing on on the ropes given the big 10 count like you can see him like and this great hand gesture and big face and like the cameras perfectly squared him up uh it, it's again this is wwf coming at you with the production values there's nothing like i've watched the first three starcades there's nothing like that. <laughs> there's nothing. There's no good camera work like that happening in them. Um, there's a nice reverse shot then too of Greg. Um, so Greg wants to get back in the ring and keep going, but Jimmy Hart is you know, a Weasley manager that he is. He's trying to get him to stay out and just take the count out because he knows that he he will retain the belt even though he loses the match. But Greg looks fucking pissed. Like he's he's got great facials in that moment like you can see him like glaring at the ring like he wants to get in there and keep going to work on jyd um he you know only only very reluctantly um at jimmy hart's urging turns around and heads for the exit then that was that was that was amazing work from him but then the crowd of course pops huge for the announcement of jyd's win um you know he's happy about that even though again he doesn't get the the belt i think honestly this is a, a classic intercontinental match which is yeah uh, we've talked before about this is where some of the real action was back in the day. You know, the the heavyweight division, especially when Hulk Hogan was in charge, those matches were often sort of a perfunctory almost, a kind of just a very basic performance. But the Intercontinental was where you could really see some exciting stuff. This is some great showmanship in this match uh, all the way. And like Junkyard Dog, the Juker, he gets a huge pop when he came <laughs> out. His entrance uh, in is the first entrance that we have in the show that has music and him coming to the ring and slapping the hands of the fans and stuff like that. Uh, so like he's a showman and this is the showman stuff coming up in, in WWF. And this is the start of it. This is, this is a match, uh, all time match. This is a sleeper match on this card. This is it. Uh, this is the match that you tell your friends to watch WrestleMania one to see. Yeah, that's a good one. Next up, there's another really good one. We've got the Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov with classy Freddie Blassie versus tag team champions, the U.S. Express, Mike Rotundo and Barry Windham, who are managed by Captain Lou Albano. This is a match for the WWF Tag Team Championship. Um, Lord Alfred Hayes is, <laughs> is again, throwing, <laughs> throwing us to the promos from the aisle. He has the worst line in this one. <laughs> Which one? Does, what does he say here? Both of these teams have opinions. Let's hear those opinions now. <laughs> Thanks, Alfred. <laughs> <laughs> he's reading these cue cards, and he's so terrified. He looks hor- hor- horrified. I don't know he, what his deal is. His he looks- shoulders up to his yeah. ears. 
and his eyes are just like he's not blinking and he's reading the cue card and like uh now before the junkyard dog match he didn't read the cue card fast enough and they cut him off because they got <laughs> they got a moving uh and he's just terrified and then and it's like this really dry you can hear him jumping line like okay well that's the line break it's time like he can you can hear him like stopping and then starting to read the next line and then but that line this it was so bad it's so poorly <laughs> written for him and then he's so deliberately badly that i had i had to note it is like both of these teams have opinions let's hear those opinions now <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty funny the other thing that happens is while he's standing there you can see Sheik and Volkov walk walk past him, and as soon as they get through the curtain, you can hear that whole stadium just boo! It just explodes. So, <laughs> there you yeah, are. we get the Mean Gene promos. I I really enjoyed Captain Lou says we're going to do our best for the people and for ourselves. <laughs> yeah, and he's holding the beer, <laughs> and he ends the whole thing with "We're going to try real hard." <laughs> that's that's good. He and Tito. Iron Cheek, he kills me. Like you barely can understand what he, him and Volkov are saying, and like even Freddie Blassie. But like they let Iron Cheek talk, and Iron Cheek always calls uh, Gene Oakland Gene Mean yeah, instead of Gene Mean, mean. Gene. Mm-hmm. Gene Mean. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, this whole bit is it's, it's classic. I never like uh, Lou Albano. Like zero effort. We're gonna try real hard, yeah. and he's holding a beer rubber well, bands then, coming out of his face <laughs> and then rotunda and Wyndham have you know have their lines but they're both so low-key i thought they might be asleep they're like yeah oh, he's mike rotundo mm-hmm. again in this yeah. one yeah 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 rotundo is just like we're gonna we're gonna win we're gonna fight <laughs> it, it's it's a ricky steamboat promo they all give ricky steamboat promos because they're the he they're the faces they're the u.s express they can't say they can't they can't they can't be aggressive or anything like that. Yeah. And I go, I'm going to stop on the Iron Sheik until I burst his appendix. And then I'm going to take his yeah. pointy boot off and stick it in his anus. Yeah. You can't say that. <laughs> no. Uh, but anyway, um, fantastic. It's, you know what? This match, this whole thing is almost like you fed a bunch of wrestling, like classic wrestling into a computer and let the AI write like a perfect match. It's just, it has, it has everything, right? It yeah. Has, there were yeah. never two teams more diametrically opposed than the U.S. Express and whatever the fuck the Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov are supposed to be. The, the Volkov comes out and he sings the national anthem of the Soviet Union. Uh, you may be familiar with it if you've ever seen the Hunt for Red October. It's a you know big big song in that, uh, and the booze and the trash are raining in. Uh, it's so good. And then uh, uh, Howard Howard Finkel, you can see him like hiding in the corner, trying not to get pegged by something. And then the uh, the sheik gets on the microphone and says, "Russia number one, Iran number one, America." yeah Yeah, there's middle they cut to the crowd there's middle fingers waving everywhere trash flying um so even when i was a kid and i thought that wrestling was you know real like 
uh, I realized then that Nikolai Volkov singing that Russian national anthem was like just genius stagecraft. You know, I'm like, I'm like the action in the ring is totally 100% legitimate and unscripted. And this, this is a thing I know for sure. And also him singing that anthem is the finest piece of villainy that anyone has ever done. And I still think it's incredible. You, you don't see heat like that anymore. No, you just don't. You just, you, no one gets that kind of heat. I mean, MJF is kind of close, but the thing is, is that the fans see behind the curtain now. It's ironic heat, right? Yeah. It's kind of ironic heat. Like people boo him because, you know, he, he has to be such a dick to people to get the crowd to boo him. So, I mean, you have Chris Jericho these days. He's an asshole. He's mocking AEW and his character and stuff. And the fans still cheer for him. Uh, I mean, the singing of his theme song is starting to back down a little bit. MJF is out there being dicks to kids on airplanes. And like, <laughs> which and is like, also amazing, by the way, yeah, it's, it's the closest the thing we have fans at signings. And like, he's just like, he's going to come burn your house down and like, <laughs> and, and to get you to boo him. Like it's, uh, you just don't get that kind of heat that like Volkov and the Sheik generate with just singing a song yeah this is sort of organic it plays off of you know kind of nationalistic tendencies and uh you know real politics going on at the time and it's it's like i said it's organic it's not um it's manufactured in the sense that they knew exactly what they were doing but it's from on the fan side it's not like oh we're gonna boo these guys because that seems like a fun thing to do it's like we fucking hate these guys they spit on the flag they spit on everything we represent and i want to see them get their ass beat by Mike Rotundo slash Rotunda and Barry Windham, the world's tallest man. And the thing about that kind of heat is that it makes the heat, the faces job easier. Oh yeah. Like Windham and Rotundo don't need to have any personality. They just need to come down to the ring, not with a Soviet flag. (laughs) Yeah. These guys are awesome. Yeah. Like that's all they got to do. And uh, yeah, but luckily they do more than that. They are incredible. This match is stupendous. Yeah, luckily they're both really serious, legit talents. Um, I don't know. So where do you want to start? So Sheik looks like a total stud. He oh runs. God. He runs really fast. I don't know if you yeah. noticed that. Um, there's a beautiful hip toss by Rotunda. Uh, he kind of whiffs on that drop kick afterwards. He does that a couple times actually. Yeah. Um, well, he's still a fitness freak at this point. Yeah. All right. Like they talk about his incredible cardio in that documentary and stuff. So um, I'm not surprised that he's incredibly fast. He's incredibly strong and he knows what he's doing and he can tell. And it's the same and the same deal with uh, Rotundo, too. Like I, w- I would pay all the money in the world to see a shoot match between him and the Sheik at this point. <laughs> yeah. Because they were both uh, legitimate wrestlers, you know, Mike. Mike for uh, what Syracuse collegiate level? Wyndham uh, apparently too is at Syracuse, I believe. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah. At least that's what they say. It might be kayfabe, but that does appear to be kayfabe. While it is true that Mike Rotunda attended Syracuse University, Barry Wyndham attended West Texas A and M. Let's see. the The managers uh, are threatening each other outside the ring, and Blassie is brandishing his cane. It looks like an argument at a Denny's uh, over the uh, 
over the special or something <laughs> like somebody like they're not accepting each other's coupons or something. Um, they get a lot of heat on the, on the faces for a long, long time. There's finally a, a hot tag to Wyndham that the crowd just like goes absolutely nuts for. And he goes to work on Nikolai who sells like a million bucks. Um, so Nikolai is sort of the, he's the big guy here, right? And he's the kind of the least fit of them all, but he does an amazing job sort of doing the strength moves and, and selling like crazy, yeah, he's the striker, you know. Yeah. So he's 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 just the muscle. He comes in, flexes pounds on people, um, and I was not aware of, or I forgot that I was aware that uh, uh, Barry's uh, father was Blackjack Mulligan. I did not. I was unaware of that. Oh, really? Yeah. This just seems like something we should have known, probably. Yeah, it feels like something. It feels like something that I might have known and forgotten or something. But anyway. <laughs> oh, Mike <laughs> Rotunda is his brother-in-law, it says. Yeah, they, they're, they, uh, yeah, is, um, he's welcome to, to our, yeah. welcome to our podcast, Rich and Tim read Wikipedia to you. <laughs> We're librarians. It's what we do. <laughs> <laughs> I do know that, uh, Mike Rotunda named his kid, you know, Bray Wyatt is his ring name. His, yeah. his real first name is Wyndham. Yeah. Uh, because they were such good buddies and uh, family, apparently. All right. Um, so while we were talking about Nikolai Volkov, this is a good time to mention my uh, two degrees of separation from Nikolai Volkov. I had a buddy in high school. His name's Bert. He's, an, he's a good guy. He uh, did some amateur wrestling after high school. He wrestled under the name Nick Castle. He was a real big comic book fan back in the day, and he was he wore a Punisher shirt, uh, you know, trading off of uh, the Punisher's real name of Frank Castle. And uh, at a couple of independent shows he here in Maryland, I think, or in Pennsylvania, he actually wrestled Nikolai Volkov. So you can look for Nick Castle versus Nikolai Volkov. You can find it on YouTube pretty easily. So that's uh, that's that's my buddy, Bert. Um so your video. friend got sweat on by Nikolai Volkov. He did. He takes some good bumps from him too. Um, everyone, everyone who has ever met that guy said he was, uh, he was a really good dude, Nikolai Volkov. He was. I know he's a big duck pin bowler, right? He was. Yeah. Um, he was kind of a fixture around these parts. Yeah, he was definitely a fixture in Eastern East East Baltimore, and like any, he showed up at all like the independent wrestling shows, not necessarily even the wrestle, just you know be there and you could talk to him and stuff like that so it was he was a nice guy i did he's one of the guys i've met before just because he would show up at like the old mewf and mcw shows uh sometimes give an autograph sometimes just to watch um but that's cool yeah anyway Wyndham gets a nice bulldog on uh on poor old nikolai um the sheik interferes in the pin but then the ref gets distracted by rotunda and uh sheik gets blassie's cane and cracks Wyndham to get the pin and then the belts um and that crowd man that crowd get the hell out of there (laughs) jesus you're gonna (laughs) die yeah you're gonna die get out of there uh yeah yeah, as if they're not as if they're not hot enough. She grabs no. the mic and throws in an extra around number one USA, <laughs> just for yeah. good measure, just, just to make sure, just to make sure he's going to get stabbed on the way to the parking lot. <laughs> yeah, I kind of think he wanted somebody to try to stab him. He wanted to, like break off one of those clubs in their ass or something. He wants to know. make somebody humble while he's waiting for a cab. <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah, there's some good stuff in this match. Uh, uh, Rotunda lands a beautiful suplex on the Sheik. Uh, they do, uh, Sheik and Rotundo do exchange some great Greco Roman mat 
uh, technique stuff uh, to weasel out of pins and stuff like that. It looks it looked legit. Uh, it probably wasn't, but they did a really good job of making it look it. Uh, Gorilla Monsoon thinks that Sheik's curled toes are uh, toe boots are illegal and they should be banned from the yeah. ring. Yeah, he definitely calls them out as a potential weapon. And this match actually starts with Sheik and Rotundo in the ring together. And Sheik puts the meanest headlock I, I've ever seen on anybody on Mike Rotundo. Like he has got his he's got his head bent at like a 90 degree angle uh, back and is like grinding away. And like, oh, like I, that looked it looked rough and he was not letting go. That's how you get cauliflower here, buddy. That is how you get cauliflower ear. That's how you get cauliflower ear. That's how you get compression in your C1 vertebrae. That's how, <laughs> like, that's how you don't walk anymore. Like, you get cauliflower face. Yeah, yeah. There's a, um, a post-match interview. I, again, I don't know why the fuck Iron Sheik is not heading for the, the taxi like directly, <laughs> but they stick around to do a, a little promo, you know, little interview he's bleeding from his knuckles he calls him gene mean again yes uh there's there's lots of yelling the they they need to get out of there like yeah. immediately yeah blassie they they uh mean gene asked blassie how he felt about such a controversial win and he says what do you mean controversial what cane what cane i never <laughs> had a cane <laughs> so yeah i never had a cane that was great and then one more time she has to grab the mic and goes, we come to America to show the old country number one. <laughs> and yeah, he tells us tells us our culture is shit, our yeah. society is shit. Iran is much better. And then he runs. They all run. <laughs> they put bags over their heads. They wear. They put on disguises, and get the hell out of Dodge. So this next one is one of the matches that I have the clearest memory of from when it originally happened. So I would have been like eight mm. and my buddies and I were super into wrestling and, but you know, we didn't have, our parents didn't have money for pay-per-views. Right. And so we had to wait until these things came on VHS, like what, two years later. So it took me forever to see it, but I had Damn. seen it in the wrestling magazines at the grocery store. Right. Cause your mom would take, go to the grocery store. You would run to the magazine aisle and basically plop yourself down. And I would read uh, the WWF magazine. I would read Ninja magazine. Cause that was a real magazine. Look it up as a magazine for ninjas. Uh, and then mad in magazine usually until she was done shopping. Uh, and I remember very clearly the pictures of Andre throwing the cash out. Um, after this match. Uh, so anyway, this yeah. is, this is one of the ones that I have sort of the clearest memory of before, you know, we went back to watch it. It's Andre, the giant versus big John stud, big John studs managed by Bobby, the Heenan, Bobby, the Heenan, Bobby, the brain Heenan. <laughs> it's a body slam challenge. So the setup or the gimmick here is if Andre can slam stud within the time limit, he wins $15,000. But if he doesn't slam him by the end of the time limit, he has to leave the wrestling business. Ooh, yeah, and leading into this match, uh, Jesse Ventura actually starts comparing WrestleMania to the Super Bowl or the NBA championships. So we have that comparison starting very early, that this is the Super Bowl of wrestling, that this is the championship, the crown jewel of wrestling. This is this is it. This is the best thing ever. And it's, it's, it's interesting to see that that seed is planted 
so freaking early. Like they didn't know that this was going to be so successful and that there would be 37 more of them after this. <laughs> but yeah. And he's talking about how he's seen a boring world series. He's seen a boring NBA finals, but you'll never see a boring WrestleMania. I disagree, but <laughs> <laughs> could we all agree on uh, let's uh, exhibit a WrestleMania yeah. 11. Yeah. So, anyway, um, the he the promo with Heenan uh, and Mean Gene Gene Mean is super funny. Like he keeps uh, trying to touch the the duffel bag, and and yeah. Heenan keeps yelling at him. He's like, keep your hands off it, pal. He keeps calling him pal in like a super aggressive, snarky way. And Stud opens it, and you can clearly see that it's just like filled with like singles. <laughs> it's not fifteen thousand dollars in that bag. Yeah. No. Also, Stud says, "Oh, it's really heavy," and it's like the tiniest stuff, especially it's in his the, monster hands. <laughs> it's, it's the kids' duffel bag that you get for signing up for the WWF fan club. Like that's that's <laughs> what it is. I'm pretty sure I had one of those from when I signed up for the fan club. Oh, so it's filled with paper money. It's not like it's gold bricks. Jesus no. Christ. No, it's it. <laughs> It's $15,000 worth of pennies. Also, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> also, $15,000 is such a random amount. I don't understand how they came up with that particular amount. It's weird. I don't know. You know what? Let's see how much that is in uh, in today's market. Um, yeah, please do. Why not 10? Why not 20? Even 5. You know, 5 is still a serious amount of money. Anyway. Yeah, so let's see. So... This is 1985, and $15,000. It would have been $40,747.58. Wow. It's an inflation rate of 171.7%. Okay, then. There you go. So, yeah. Uh, that's well, serious a small money. change. Yeah. Um. It's uh, it's always a treat to see Andre. Oh, you know, he's yeah. he's fairly limited by this point, but he's still. I like that he's he's smiling when he makes his entrance. Uh, yeah, he's, he's so happy to see the fans, and the fans are so happy it's, to see him. It's great. It's really charming. It. It's a charming entrance. Um, he's built at uh, four hundred and seventy-six pounds, and John Studd is built at six ten and three sixty-seven. So he's given up both of those. Both of those numbers pounds. are lies. Both yeah. of those numbers are lies. There's no way John Studd only weighs that much. Yeah. And there's no way Andre only weighed that much. Um, I think my favorite thing of the whole entrance is, besides Andre coming out just to a huge cheering crowd and high fives, is that uh, Big John Studd's robe is intentionally too small for him. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like a, like a big guy in a tiny coat. He can't close it. Like his big barreled chest is sticking out of the robe. So good. It's a good look. That's it's me good. with every t-shirt I try to buy online. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's a, there's a sign alert. Uh, this is not the era of the signs just yet, but there's some, no. there's a handful of homemade ones. This, some little kid has a, like, it looks like maybe the back of a like number 10 envelope or something. It's like that size. It says stud the dud. <laughs> so stud the dud. There's a big weasel chant. Yeah. Also from the crowd, which is great because the well, the alcohol is now definitely pumping. You know, <laughs> these people got some Budweisers in them now, so they're getting angrier. Yeah, they start out with some chops and a <laughs> headbutt from Andre, which I would not take one of those chops. I just oh my god, I would cry. You could tell Andre is 
is pissed. He's tired. He doesn't want to deal with John Studd. And he's just he's just laying these shots into John Studd. Like and he makes John Studd look like a little baby. Just <laughs> he's just like a little toddler trying to get mama's attention and John and Andre is just slapping him away. Just just pounding down on him. And then you get some of these great camera shots to where like Andre is leaning on stud, like just like like choking him in the corner, just leaning on him. And then the little tiny ref is next to Andre counting. One, two, like he's not even like <laughs> like like he's not even up to like Andre's elbow. Like it's so and like it's so uh disorienting. Like there's these two massive human beings in the ring pounding on each other. And then there's a normal sized guy watching them do it right there. And he's in charge of everything. It's very, it's very weird, uh, very weird visuals in this match that are just, it, it makes you miss Andre the giant really. Yeah. It's close to a thousand pounds of humanity in there together, like wailing on each other. There's a funny moment where after those couple of chops, uh, John takes a powder and sort of hangs outside of the ring for a little bit, which, you know, again, I would too. Um, and the ref starts counting on him and the ref tells him to stop counting because he wants to slam him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like he, you can see him like sort of motion, motioning to him. He's like, I'm going to slam this guy. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there's a bear hug that lasts roughly forever. Yeah. Um, and then he just like out of nowhere, he just kind of like scoops him up and body slams him. Like, like no problem too. Yeah. Absolutely. No. no issue picking up a six foot 10, 400 pound man, just up down done. <laughs> and the crowd exploded when that happened. Oh, so good. Andre yeah. was a, was a, was a gift. It was a gift to us and it's too bad. Yeah. Yeah. Once in a, you know, there's once in a generation talent. I'd say he's like once in a century talent. Like you just, you never, we'll never see that his, his like again, probably. Yeah. And like um, through this entire match, each one of those shots looked like they were getting stiffer and stiffer and stiffer on John stud. Like John probably told him, please slam me just to end this. Get me out. <laughs> please stop hurting me. Um, I had read somewhere that he didn't particularly like John stud. One was, you know, sort of the competition of like, the other big guy, right? Yeah. Uh, and I, I think it was John Stud. He said that he didn't like that John did the step over the top rope thing because yeah. that was his move. That was his move, right? Like, um, which I mean, it makes sense if you're six ten, you just step over the top rope. But that was yeah. But you got to struggle to do it. Andre didn't yeah. need to. No, <laughs> that's that's the big difference. And so, like it, it 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 demeans Andre's gimmick. Like Andre's gimmick is he's a goddamn giant that can roll into the ring. And just pound on people for a few minutes and then stand on them to pin them. Like, that's that's it. You don't see Andre getting a small package on anybody. <laughs> <laughs> there's no, uh, there's no uh, superplex into, uh, into no. a roll-up. <laughs> no. Uh, so, anyways, at the end of this match, Andre gets the bag of cash and starts throwing it out into the crowd. But Heenan flips out, runs into the ring and uh snatches the steak out of the lion's jaws so to speak and uh snatches that bag and runs out of the arena leave, even leaving john uh stud <laughs> uh behind and uh andre is just like oh well <laughs> and then he shakes yeah. hand and he shakes hands with the ref <laughs> You could also see the ref picking up some of the bills. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's gratuity. Yeah. I would keep it too. Fuck that. 
There's a nice little uh, interview with me and Gene afterwards that kind of gets cut off. Um, they, they sort of rush it, which is unfortunate. But Andre yeah. is saying that he doesn't care about the money. He just wants to show the fans that he can still do it. And uh, me and Gene says, oh, you know, so this means you're not going to be retiring anytime soon. He's like, I'm no. not ready to retire. <laughs> No, oh, he's beautiful. such a charmer guy. Such, Love such that a guy. charmer. Yeah. All right, moving on. We got two matches to go. We're sort of we're rolling through these uh, titles. We're up to the women's championship. This is Wendy Richter, managed by Cindy Lauper. Again, we got the rock and roll connection here, the rock and wrestling connection, versus Leilani Kai, managed by the fabulous Mula. Um, I remember Wendy Richter being a a huge deal. I in my mind. Back in that day, I sort of thought of her as the the female equivalent of Hulk Hogan, like she was yeah. the women's champion, like she was the the one in the in the magazines. She was the one that had regular matches out there. Everybody else basically was second tier compared to her. Yeah, yeah, she was uh, she was top notch, and so was Leilani Kai. Though she was no slouch. Yeah. No. It's a it's a good match actually. Uh, yeah. Mula and Leilani give Alfred Hayes a kiss on their way to the ring, which makes him even more flustered than he already was. Poor guy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Mula says that her glasses with dollar signs on them were made by Jesse Ventura for her, which I thought was funny. Yeah. Um, Cindy Lauper's landing her Brooklyn accent all over the place, um, and this is another spot where uh, WWE has changed the music. So initially, Wendy Richter came out to Girls Just Want to Have Fun uh, by Cindy Lauper. Uh, but uh, as we suspect, WWE did not pay for the proper licensing for the music at that time period. And so therefore, they've edited it out. But this time, they just put in some uh, generic 80s sounding pop music uh, background public domain. Some schmuck out there on the internet wrote. Um, but, you know, it's okay. But they get a huge pop. Lauper and, and uh, Richter get a huge pop coming out. But it's most likely because in the arena, girls just want to have fun, which was like the biggest song of ever at that time period uh, was playing. And so that was naturally going to get a huge, huge hit. Yeah. The crowd is into this one, though. They're, they're not, uh, you know, they're not tuning out. They're not checking their watches. They're when they show the crowd anyway, they're, they're paying attention. They're popping at the right spots. And the commentators actually do a surprisingly enlightened job of calling this match. Um, you know, we've noticed on some of the later, especially with Jerry Lawler, uh, that, you know, the women's matches, it's, it's all about, you know, their bodies and whether or not we're going to see a boob and whatever. And, but here they're, they're really, they're paying attention to the moves. They're like, they're not condescending to women's wrestling or to the individual performers. They're just, kind of calling it straight and there's actually some really some good stuff here i like uh, there's some really good selling by both ladies um there's this move where wendy has like a hammer lock and then like picks kai up and sort of like drops her on her face like she does it twice she kind of like swings her around in a half circle and drops her on her face while yeah. keeping the hammer lock i don't i, I don't even know what, what would you call that move like i don't know is this mean mean that's what <laughs> it looked it, badass yeah like you just pick someone up with their arm behind their back and then slam them back down on the mat like it was just nasty um and, and while while uh richter is doing that um jesse ventura says that he's seen windy richter bench 200 pounds yeah uh, that was, <laughs> no he hasn't yeah <laughs> yeah i mean the the big thing here is that this is a real match that's yeah. that's the difference that this is a real match this isn't 
what uh, Ashley versus Melina. Like they both have last names now and they both look like they've actually been trained by wrestlers and they know what they're doing. Um, I mean, there's there, the finish is a little bit botched, but it still works. Uh, these two ladies exchange holds. They do a, a, a solid collar and elbow tie up at the beginning of the match. There's some good punching, good chops, good everything. Just the, this is, this is wrestling and it just happens to be women. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not, like I said, it's not playing up the TNA. They're, they're dressed like athletic you know they're wearing like swimsuits basically like but like one piece swimsuits you know they're not threatening to pop out all over the place but um yeah the finish is a sort of crossbody that gets flipped over uh and that yeah that is a little bit awkward but it's you know you can tell what's going on for sure uh and when yeah i mean richter was supposed to roll through with it and like i don't know if they just got tangled up or they didn't have enough momentum and you can see them shift their position so that leilani's getting pinned yeah so Wendy gets this one, it's the belt. Um, <laughs> Mula and Cindy Lauper get into it outside of the ring, which the fans love. Oh, uh, yeah. I love. That's pretty good, actually. Um, Some dude got in the ring with Wendy and yeah, I, don't know who guy was. I was trying I was trying my best to find out who that is, and I couldn't I couldn't figure it out, but everybody's just like uh, acting like he belongs there. So I don't know if that was just some like fan in the front row that jumped over or what. I no idea where he came from. Well, there was a, a man and a woman who came down with them too. And I think it's the same one. Like he's got this like severe perm um, and she's wearing this like super eighties blazer in like seafoam color. Uh, and he's got trucker glasses on and like, it's, <laughs> I, he's a hipster. He's a hipster, he's uh, like a time machine hipster. So. The unidentified man was Cindy Lauper's boyfriend and manager at the time, David Wolf. No, it was good. And then Cindy's post-match interview in her comical New York accent is is delightful. So I like that she plays up. You know that she's learned from Captain Lou. He's, she's learned from the yeah. best. Uh, that's that was a really nice touch. So this whole this whole thing, all of this is like just like pure it's, distilled eighties. It's gold. It's eighties yeah. gold. Yeah. Like now, this is what like would be on like uh, now. This is what it, I call a wrestling eighties edition, or like, <laughs> you know, uh, it's everything. This is everything right here. Yeah, if you you put the, the all of the 1980s into a centrifuge, this is what you'd be left with: is this match and the. All you need is someone riding the space shuttle to the ring. That's that's, <laughs> that's the only thing that's really missing is is the space program and the love of the space shuttle, here. And maybe you know, you get uh, someone talking about trickle down sleeper holds or something like that too. <laughs> all right, we're we ready for the main event. Yeah, I, I mean, so. we got a lot to dig through on this one. Yeah, so this is this is a hell of a event here. This is uh, Hulk Hogan and Mr. T with Jimmy Superfly Snuka in their corner versus Roddy Piper and Paul Mr. Wonderful Orndorff with Cowboy Bob Orton in their corner. There are two guest referees for this one. Pat Patterson is the in-ring referee and Muhammad Ali is the outside-the-ring referee because that's a thing, apparently. And then we've got guest announcer Billy Martin, former uh 
what manager of the Yankees? Well, he was current manager of the Yankees at that oh, time. Oh, okay. So, yeah. And well, he's former now because he's fucking yeah. dead. Uh, and Liberace. Uh, in memoriam. As the guest timekeeper. <laughs> so it's a circus. Uh, Liberace comes in with the Rockettes. Uh, they do a kick line at the center of the ring that is still part of WWE's like opening title card. If you watch yeah. any event that they do, it's still there. Yeah. Um, so that's another thing that they changed is that the music to that was originally uh, the theme from New York, New York, uh, which you would assume that why the what the Rockets would do a kick line to. I don't know why they just don't pony up the like probably the five cents that you need to use that song and do it. Instead, it's just some some cheesy big band track that they found somewhere that they dubbed in instead of New York, New York. And that one's really obvious because the tempo doesn't quite match the kick line. The sound is more forward than what, what like the dubbed in theme songs are for the wrestlers and stuff. So um, whoever did that sound editing. Boo. Yeah, they suck. Yeah. Seriously. I feel like they give the rights to New York, New York away with like a, with, free with every bagel basically like it's gotta be it's gotta be a bargain at this point right um yeah the the entrances for this thing just take take forever it just keeps going and going billy martin comes out um he has such a quiet voice and the fans won't shut up so that that poor uh bell guy is just hammering away over there trying to get people to pipe down uh roddy comes in with a full bagpipe band um there's some kid that leans over the over the gate and is booing and giving the finger and getting in the face of the pipers as they come down the aisle. Like <laughs> only in New York City would you have fans like getting pissed off at the bagpiping <laughs> bagpipers. Like what the hell, man? They're just they're just fuck playing those a gig. Guys. They're just no, playing fuck a those gig. Guys. Yeah. I feel like Philly might also have the same response, but yeah, it's agreed. Possible. Yeah. Um. Mr. Wonderful looks like he's Mr. on his Wonderful. way looks to a bodybuilding competition. Yeah, he's, Jesus. He's a, he's a stud. Um, and Mr. T and Hulk Hogan, again, like pure condensed 1980s. They both are in their WrestleMania finest. They got like matching outfits. Um, and then we actually start the match, I think. Well, right? we have Hogan's music is also swapped out. Oh, so really? at WrestleMania one, Hogan initially came down to Eye of the Tiger because he had just been in uh, Rocky three. But again, yeah. WWE probably didn't pay for the rights for Eye of the Tiger. And so they dubbed in uh, Real American in the in post-edit here. Interesting. Yeah. Also, I need to know where I can get that Panther shirt that Roddy Piper was wearing. It's a good one. Yeah, that sure it's a good badass. <laughs> and yeah, Orndorff and Piper, there's so much heat on them coming in. There's shit flying into the ring again. It's insane. This The crowd... They don't even need to have the match. The crowd is just losing their shit, just happy that these folks are there. Like, it's craziness. Yeah. So there's a lot of uh, discussion on the commentary about whether Mr. T.O.A. would actually handle any of the wrestling here, you know, and, uh, you know, they're just talking about how he's only had this sort of limited training. Um, and so, you know, so when the match actually gets started, Hulk Hogan does sort of handle a lot of the heavy lifting, but of course then they could yeah. get to sort of up the drama by teasing, you know, when, you know, when's Mr. T going to get in, is he going to get his, his chance to get even with Piper who they, uh, you know, he's got some maybe legit heat with, Yeah. So at the very, right before they ring the bell, there's a janitor 
on the ring, sweeping all the shit out of the ring. <laughs> Did you see him? No. So there's a janitor up there sweeping the trash out of the ring. And just to get a little bit extra heat, Orndorff steals the guy's broom out of his hands and breaks it over his knee and tells him to get the hell out of there. And like the janitor just looks stunned and is like, like, like shrugging and like <laughs> looking completely confused. And then just like goes back down the steps, all sad and disheveled Aww. and beaten by Paul Orndorff and his uh, broom snapping antics. Uh, and then all the heels decide to have a big hug in the ring. And that just sends the crowd like into like bloodlust. He's that the janitor's probably gonna have to pay for that broom. He's probably gonna get deducted from his salary. Yeah, it's probably coming out of his like twenty five cents an hour salary. Like, yeah, what a guy, jerk. Poor guy can't pay his rent this month now because and it was only his only broom. Eh, can't sweep up Madison Square Garden anymore. And Penn Station, it's all dirty now. <laughs> anyway, um, I don't know the the action here is a bit of a mess. Honestly, I'm not entirely sure i got all of it down and i don't know that it matters really are there any highlights that you wanted to well i mean before they even hit each other both teams deliver hot tags somehow yeah i don't don't, (laughs) they're both hot tags and and like the place is exploding from them and but gorilla monsoon always the rules guy is like i don't know why they even bother tagging there hasn't been any contact between the two teams yet they do not need the tag they could just step out of the ring and change like I don't know why they're tagging. Like, it's theater, Gorilla. It's theater. They're yeah. just working the crowd. They're working the crowd like crazy. Like the first five minutes is just them working the crowd. I feel like Gorilla and I, I feel like Gorilla and I would have gotten along really well. I'm into rules as well. Like, I feel like we just could have like had yeah. had long discussions about why people don't use their turn signals anymore and why they don't hold on to the tag ropes. Damn. Yeah, hold on to the goddamn tag group. Also, you got to keep your feet on the floor, and you're not allowed to slap the guy on the back for a tag. That's not a tag. No, you got to slap hands. That's the only legal part. No such thing as a blind tag. Yeah, you tag your mom. Anyway, so like initially we start off with I think Piper and T in the ring now, at the very start, and Piper immediately takes Mister T down to the mat immediately throws him down on the mat and they're they're doing a scrum and t does get out of it but it very much exposes that mr t doesn't know what he's doing and it made me think of that interview that uh that three at dinner for three or whatever table for three thing with piper and orndorf and me and gene talking about wrestlemania one and how piper didn't thought uh, mr t was just coming to play wrestler and stuff like that and wanting to uh and i think that was this piper showing him that there's aspects of this that are real, bro. Yeah, I agree. Trying to make him look a little bit uh, like a fool. Yeah. Um, and yeah, Piper didn't like because then the, you know a celebrity guy coming in. Yeah. And sort of and sort of like picking up all this extra attention that they'd been sort of working for, you know. Yeah, and T then also exposes that he can't. He doesn't know how to do a collar and elbow tie up. Uh, <laughs> it's a very oh. awkward like like thing. Um, yeah, and I think someone needed also to tell uh, Muhammad Ali that this is it's not quite real. Calm yeah. down, because like any time like someone is breaking the rules in the ring, he is rolling into that ring ready to like knock somebody's out. They're gonna he's gonna lay some bodies down. He's gonna he's gonna punch somebody. Somebody's gonna get it. Um, but yeah, like we have chaos break break out like almost immediately in this match. Yeah. 
and repeatedly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Piper gets punched by Muhammad Ali in one of these scuffles, and he sort of like walks off in a huff. You know, he's playing up his his kind of petulant persona, um, but Hulkster gets up and like taunts him back into the ring uh, to finish the match. Was, again, just great building of drama and heat, and the crowd is like, yeah, and uh, everybody's booing him and making fun of him because he doesn't want to get in the ring and finish it like a man. Uh, Jimmy Snuka's out there for some reason, and he's climbing the ropes and threatening the jump and like, it's just craziness all over the place. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure what he's doing. And I'm not sure what Cowboy Bob's doing there either. Just a little extra layer, a little paycheck for those guys, I guess. Yeah, get them um, out there. Are you ready to talk the finish yet or do you have some more things? Oh, no. There's hardly anything else to talk about with this match. It's all <laughs> The entire match is the finish. Yeah, it really is. So Cowboy Bob tries to come off the top rope with his arm cast uh, to hit Hogan, and he ends up braining Mr. Wonderful instead, who goes down and is just out cold. Um, and there's some more after-the-bell scuffle and shenanigans, and uh, the the heels take off, um, leaving poor Paul Orndorff uh, out cold in the ring. So he eventually like wakes up, uh, quote-unquote yeah, wakes T up. Mr. T is checking on him yeah, because he cares about him somehow. He does. He's a good guy. He's the Mr. T. He's the uh, Tito Santana of Hollywood. And uh, but yeah, he wakes up in the middle of all these uh, these faces. Uh, he doesn't know what the hell's going on. During this match, we did have the famous uh, Hogan Twitch, uh, <laughs> as I like to call it now, the Hogan Twitch after taking a suplex from Paul Orndorff. He's he's got the same thing that uh, that afflicts the uh, the bell guy, I think. Yeah, the same. <laughs> just. Eh. Shaking all over the place. They got the palsy or whatever. Superfly jumps in to intercept Cowboy Bob as well. Then like it's just it's just a mess. It's it's frenzied. And then you have uh Piper for some reason knocks out Pat Patterson. Uh and then uh he gives an obscene gesture to the crowd and rolls out, getting even more heat because you know they already weren't gonna get jumped on the way to the parking garage, you know. <laughs> or heading down to the Amtrak station, one or the other. Uh, there's backstage promo afterwards, obviously, a wrap-up thing, talking, and Mr. T says, it's rough out there, like 20 times. He just keeps going, it's rough out there, wrestling's rough, it's real rough, you gotta be careful, it's hard, it's rough out there, it's rough out there, it's rough out there, it's rough out there. <laughs> like, he's a record stuck, and he's just like, and you could tell that he's, he's gassed. He, he didn't have such a good time out there. No, no, he did not. Um, I'm surprised he comes back for number two. <laughs> yeah. Hogan's after match interview is, is super exciting. You can tell he's not, he's not quite in Hulkamania mode yet. Like, uh, but it, you know, he's, he's building up to it. You know, he's, he's becoming that, that character for sure. And so that, that little promo he cuts afterwards is, is really cool. Yeah. Um, and he says that he thought that, uh, Jimmy Snuka was going to beat everybody up for them before the match even started. <laughs> Cause he was so fired up. Like Snuka doesn't look that excited. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Overall, this is a weird main event, you know, because there's no title. There's no title on the line. I mean, there's lots of circum pomp and circumstance with all the guests and all the chaos and all the extra people in the ring. Um, you know, it's obviously intended to capitalize on the popularity of Hogan and Piper and Mister T, uh, and to put this kind of spectacle in front of a. Uh, paying audience of course but it is it's a very if you don't have any of that context you're kind of like what why what is what what yeah but anyway it's still fun i had a good time i do think it's a bold move to choose 
to not put your your heavyweight title on the line in the in your first WrestleMania, but also I can't think of who Hogan would have would have defended against. You know, if we do a little fantasy booking, like who on this card would Hogan have a solid title defense against to really showcase? Or what what would be more entertaining to the crowd? This chaos of a tag match with Mr. T, who's hot out of Rocky movie as well, and and Hogan out of the Rocky movie. And you have Paul Orndorff, who's as well known, and uh you know, and Roddy Piper who's who's huge, who's big time, he's over, you know. So like who who what do you do? Do you just have Hogan versus Piper for a main event for the title? That doesn't sound like something that you can build like your first pay-per-view around, you know? Yeah, true. I think I think you need a lot of names and and a big chaos happening at the end and that's exactly what they did. And so they also rolled out Muhammad Ali, Liberace, Billy Martin <laughs> for to 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 back it up, you know? Uh and then you had Cindy Lauper in the match before it to try and like like really like build it up with household names because I think Vince at this point is already recognizing that he needs to become, he needs to get out of that, that niche market of wrestling and, and really be seen as a form of entertainment and not a form of sport. Yeah. And this is an interesting event because it is, uh, it's a start of something, but it's also a transitional moment because it is in the garden. Uh, it does still look like one of these older shows, you know, where all the house lights are down. Um, you do have Bruno San Martino here, which of course was, uh, you know, Vince senior's champion for ages and ages in the WWWF. Uh, but then you've also sort of got, you know, kind of the move into the, this next generation, the rock and wrestling, the sort of cartoonish, characters like the junkyard dog and um you know even piper to an extent and mr t uh so it's yeah it's a it's an overall it's a it's a more end-to-end entertaining experience than i expected honestly yeah i mean you got a lot of personality coming through and i mean that's why when we sit here and we watch like these old nwa wcw shows and we see like a dusty Rhodes or a rick flair promo they stick out so much because there is so much personality with them but in this show, every promo in some way was very entertaining and had some sort of personality push behind them, whether it was, um, you know, Fabulous Moolah or Cindy Lauper talking or Freddie Blassie saying, what cane, what cane? Like, ass, we saw you walk to the ring with a cane or like, you know, Sheik, uh, Gene Mean, you know, uh, Lou Albano holding a beer and saying they're going to try real hard. You know, you have all these great promos and you have these great personalities there. And I think that's that's a big thing is that WWF is marketing those personalities along with the in-ring antics and circus uh, antics that are happening. Because, I mean, you you just end up with these with this great entertainment package as opposed to like well this was a good wrestling show to watch this was a good show to watch yeah for sure uh so are we ready to pick best and worst matches i think so did you uh did you have a pick for best match oh boy you know it's tough it's a tough call um but i've been really into more of lately the uh the more of the 
technical, traditional stuff. And so that's why I'm going to go with Junkyard Dog versus Greg Valentine. The one-on-one, the, the, it's got a little spectacle to it, but it's also got some great selling on both, both parts. It's got some great mat work. It's got some, got some hard hitting shots in there. It's got, it's got some amazing showmanship and it's got controversy. It's got drama. It's got thump. It's got grab them cakes, (laughs) you know? So it's, I think I think that's where that's where I'm going to go with uh, best match. Yeah, it's a good one for sure. I, for me, it would be that one, or it would be that tag team title match. Uh, I could probably flip a coin, honestly. Um, so I like obviously all the same things that you like about that intercontinental match. The tag one for me has you know sort of the, the over the top uh, Iron Sheik. It has sort of the you know really excellent technical work from Wyndham and Rotunda. Uh, it's got a lot of just fun stuff and chaos and drama. Um, like it's got nuclear like heat. Like you could cook like three chickens in 30 seconds on the heat that's generated from that match. Um, so I don't know. I, you know, I flip a coin, but I, I just, for variety, I'll go with the tag team championship match. There's not really any, like out and out terrible matches. I think my worst one would probably be that David Sammartino versus Brutus Beefcake, just because it does drag. Um, you know, there's things to like about it that you did a good job of pointing out. Uh, what would you, would you say the same or you have a different one? for? Uh, I do think I would say the same, that that's probably my least favorite. I wouldn't say it's the worst match. I would just say it's my least favorite. I still liked it. I still liked everything. Even the squash match was, was a good squash match. The only other match that I'd be kind of tempted to give give this to would be the Ricky Steamboat versus Matt Bourne match. I just felt like there was there just wasn't much with that match. Ricky pretty much worked in pretty quick. Um, if it didn't seem like there was much story to it, there was like every other match had some sort of drama with it, and that one just didn't. And also, the ref in that match was so slow. <laughs> he was so slow. Anyways, but yeah, I think my worst match. Technically, my least favorite match would be the Brutus Beefcake versus David San Martino. Yeah, the Steamboat one sort of suffers by comparison to some of the uh, Ricky Steamboat ones we've seen lately. I think yeah. uh, that for me, that was what um, I was. You know, I got sort of excited when I saw Ricky, but then it's kind of like he doesn't doesn't quite deliver. Although, although again, both guys do a pretty good job. Matt Bourne especially impressed me with the way he sells a lot of the stuff. Yeah. Uh, what about your oh shit moment? I think I'm going to have to go with Andre slamming Big John Stud. I mean, we knew it was going to happen, so it's not stunning. It's an impressive oh shit moment. It's like, that's a big man picking up another big man <laughs> with ease and throwing him down. Yeah. Like, it's not what happens, it's the way it happens. It's just yeah. like, whoop, up and yeah. down. Yeah. I think that's where I'm going with that. That's a good one. That's a good one. I think uh, on the same kind of on the same tip, I would say that squash match for Bundy on poor old uh, SD Jones is my oh shit moment, especially that elevation he got on that big splash at the end. Like that was such a really good, like that was a perfect squash match. Honestly, like yeah, he hits. I think there's like four moves. There's a bear hug, a corner avalanche. There's three moves. There's a bear hug, a corner avalanche, and then a splash, and then a pin and then about 20 seconds total. And it's just like, it does what it needed to do, which is establish King Kong Bundy as a serious threat. Uh, and, you know, that pays off in uh, the next WrestleMania. 
Yeah, and one of my favorite bits of that match is actually the pin. So you can see uh, SD Jones struggling underneath King Kong Bundy, and he can't get out. It's a really, really good thing. So it's not like, not like he's been knocked out. It's just he can't handle that man. He's just too big, and he just smothers him. And you can see him like wiggling and trying to get out of the pin, and he just can't. Yeah, good stuff. Overall rating, uh, what do you think? I'm thinking this is like a like a four point five. Wow, that's pretty good. Yeah, I did in the mid fours as well. I had I had given it four, I think, when we reviewed it initially. I can't remember. Um, I mean, I think you know overall most of the matches are are good. A couple of them are great. Um, none of them are truly terrible or a waste of time. Uh, the promos are good and snappy. The pace of this thing is great. Everyone's in amazing shape and bring in their a game. Uh, the announcing is really clean. Um, and you know, of course we love Jesse and gorilla together, uh, and the guest stars are a nice touch, but they aren't sort of overdone, you know? Um, and you know, and there's some of our absolute favorites here, hammer and Tito and Sheik and Orndorff and Wyndham and Rotunda and steamboat, uh, Piper, a lot of these guys that we just really like to see. What do you think? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's the last WrestleMania for a long time before that's not just like smothered by Hulk Hogan. Um, but yeah, I mean, you got a great intercontinental title, uh, match. You have a great tag team championship match. You have a really good women's championship match. You have the the this this budding flower of what the WWF is going to become coming out of this. You can see little glimmers, the little little cells of of the Attitude Era, and even the Ruthless Aggression Era, and the Next Generation Era. But like it still has this connection to the old school. It's real to me still. Damn it, kind of thought to it. Like it still has has that like legit sporting event. We're going down to the arena to watch wrestling matches. Feel to it, but also great entertainment value. And yeah, you got so many like Hall of Famers and and classics on this card that you just can't you can't. I don't see how people hate it. There's a ton of hate for the first WrestleMania on the internet. And the only thing I can, I could reason with is that like there are folks that like grew up watching the attitude era or the ruthless aggression era that like, uh, saw like stone cold and the rock go at it. And the, the over the topness and the edginess of it. And, but yet the super clean production of it, as opposed to, watching this and now especially when you put this in the context of like how those starcades those early starcades looked and then how that uh wrestle rock uh 86 looked out in minnesota with the awa and how and even like the chi town rumble which is a couple years after this looked this show is like a polished gem sticking out compared to those things They've they've got the satellite feed working right. They got everything clicking. Everything's going fine. Everything's running on time, and uh, and then you can't deny the ability of them to get Muhammad Ali 
to come out and (laughs) Liberace, Liberace, yeah, you know, like those were really big names back then. And like, I I don't know how people didn't know that Liberace was gay, but okay. Um, (laughs) Whatever. Yeah. Muhammad Ali though, like to drag him out out there like that adds real legitimacy to what they're doing, but also a spectacle at the same time. And I think that's really what they were going for. And I think they hit it on, they hit the nail on the head. Yeah. That's an interesting contrast. If you're going to hate on an early one, the one to hate on is WrestleMania two for my money, because that's where they, they're they're What what's the uh, expression? Their reach far exceeded their grasp, right? Like they, yeah. they went for huge. They, they're like, okay, let's do WrestleMania one, but three times as big. And they just, they didn't have, uh, whatever it was to, to pull it off just yet. But this is a really good start yeah. and, and a kind of perfect marriage of content and execution. So I'm glad we got to go back. It clearly works because in two years, they pack 90,000 people into a stadium to watch one of these. As we do every episode, we'll just like to take a moment to pay tribute to the men and women that we've seen who are no longer with us. Uh, so our in memoriam section for the first WrestleMania from March 31st, 1985 includes Muhammad Ali, Andre the Giant, Captain Lou Albano, Matt Bourne, King Kong Bundy, Fabulous Mula, Howard Finkel, Lord Alfred Hayes, Bobby the Brain Heenan, Special Delivery Jones, The Junkyard Dog, Liberace, Jeffrey Jack Lotz, who actually just died in 2020 at age 86 of COVID, I looked up. Uh, pretty impressive. Referee Joey Morella, Billy Martin, Gorilla Monsoon, Mean Gene Okerlund, Pat Patterson, Rowdy Rowdy Piper, Playboy Buddy Rose, who's the executioner here, Bruno Sammartino, Superfly Jimmy Snuka, Big John Studd, former light heavyweight champion Jose Torres, who's introduced ringside during Muhammad Ali's entrance in the main event, Luscious Johnny Valiant, and Nikolai Volkov. All right, so that's all we have for you today. Once again, we appreciate you listening. Check us out on the web. Send us your thoughts, questions, comments. We're always happy to hear them. And until next time, I'm your co-host, Tim. And I'm your co-host, Rich. And I'm saying so long, everybody. Bye.